Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. Hello and welcome to Screw It, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. This is the podcast where we have been talking about the original Spider-Man comic books, Amazing Spider-Man, the original run by the original creators, Steve Ditko and Stan Lee, that ran in the mid-60s. Uh, I'm one of your two co-hosts. My name is Will Hines. I'm that other co-host and the first co-host's brother. My name is Kevin Hines. We're both um, performers and teachers at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Kevin's in the uh, New York branch, and I'm uh, I'm in the L.A. branch, and we're longtime comic book fans and Spider-Man fans. And uh, this is our final episode of season one, Kevin. Yeah, um, this is episode, I think you just said, 49. That's right. I think it's 49. So we've done 49 episodes. We took one week off for Christmas. Uh, and otherwise, we've come out, I think, I'm pretty sure every single Wednesday other than that. Pretty cool. We I mean, are assuming as- this one lands on time. Maybe you'll hold on to this one and screw it up and make me look like a liar. I mean, it's tempting. But yeah, so uh, we covered every issue that Steve Ditko drew of Spider-Man, which is the original run. uh, And then we covered even the first two issues that John Romita uh, drew, uh, Mm -hmm. all written or plotted by Stan Lee, largely, Mm -hmm. um, including a couple annuals. We did a few other odds and ends episodes. We talked about the movies. We talked about some other comics uh, that we considered classics, including a instant classic episode about Dan Slott's uh, final issue. That's right. So we covered a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and we ha- we've we even had a couple of false endings because we did Ditko's last issue two episodes ago. And the last issue we did, the like as you said, the John Ramita's first two issues, the first two issues that happened after Steve Ditko left. And now we're doing this little wrap up, which brings and- us to 49. And I'm almost tempted to say let's do another – Mini episode to round it up to 50, but I won't do that. Just sort of a a clean number. Yeah, just an OCD sort of like, ooh, we could be at 50. But no, we'll be at 49. A nice awkward comics numbering. I also think when we did Amazing Spider-Man 33, we told everyone they could stop listening there too. We kicked everybody out, yeah. We sort of said like, keep listening if you want, but we're done. You're an idiot. idiot. We we berated them. Yeah. Uh, So we've had many endings and we're not ending at a satisfying numerical place. That's right. Well, neither did Steve Ditko and neither did Jack Kirby when he left Fantastic Four at issue 103. And so we're following in the tradition of the greats. Yeah. The original comic people just sort of moved on when it was time. Like, I don't know when Stan Lee left Fantastic Four or Spider-Man, but I'm sure it wasn't like an anniversary issue. That seems to become a thing when you do a long run now, like Dan Slott. Well, Dan Slott went one extra issue, right? He ended at 801. Yeah. Even he didn't end at 800. He wanted to get to 800 and then do one more issue. Yeah. So we're following the tradition of the great Dan Slott. And I guess you could say we're just as important to the Spider-Man run. As if all not names. slightly more important. Yeah. Because what's more important, making the work or talking about the work on a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Who's more artistically brave? The person who yeah. faces the blank page and fills it in or the person who casually comments on it with sometimes very little planning? Yeah, I mean, I think the second one. The latter, yeah. Yeah. Society doesn't – if you're on a desert island, the first question you ask is, who comments? (laughs) Yeah, we need them. Anybody here comment? Good. Let's make sure they have enough water. Yeah. Get them hydrated. So what do you want to do first, Well, for our final, final episode of season one? Okay, well, first let's talk about um, what we've learned. Sure. What do we learn? Because we love these issues – 
but some of them we had not read a lot and we hadn't read them all in a row as adults in quite a while or we, we'd never done it together. So what, what are you most surprised to have learned? Um, this is, well, I don't know what I'm most surprised to learn. There's a handful of things that I, uh, that sort of struck me as reading these. One is that I really like Craven more than I remember liking him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he seems so ridiculous as a character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, With his, but like, I loved every appearance vest of and his big, like drinking smoky drinks. <laughs> yeah. He's got no powers. He hunts Spider-Man and he dressed like, I mean, he is a cartoon character in a world of cartoon characters. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, he's more cartoonish than the rest of Spider-Man's villains, I would say, but. I dug every story he was in. There's he just works, and I don't know why. I can't yeah. figure out why he's cool. Like I could sort of explain why Doctor Octopus is cool to me, mm-hmm. or Green mm-hmm. Goblin is cool. Um, mm-hmm. And Craven, I'm like he shouldn't. This should be lame, and I love him. So that's one thing. That's one takeaway. Um, mine. Um, I guess I had forgotten how angry and mean the world of Steve Ditko is. Steve Ditko's Spider Man, like. It does work for the character and that doesn't like disappoint me or anything, but like the people around Peter are relentlessly mean. He's a really lonely guy and that, that never really changes. And it's maybe suitable for a teenager's, you know, a hero story. But just even those last two issues that we went over, John Romita, you know, once a new guy took over and there was instantly shades of niceness and warmth in the way the characters acted that had not existed and instantly the backgrounds are filled in and there's like more people at the daily bugle. I felt like an exhale of relief and I didn't realize all that tension, which I attribute to Ditko's kind of curmudgeonly real self. Yeah. I remembered it being mean and uh, definitely Spider-Man being kind of an angry youth, Uh, but reading those Ramita issues and I read a few more last night, um, and I've read those before, but I, it's so sharp. The change is so fast and so instantaneous Yeah, from 38 to 39. And it just gets nicer. Like, uh, you know, he still has his problems and hangups, but nobody is just like pointlessly mean to anyone else. Yeah. So that kind of st- surprised me. Um, another thing I took away was, um, that I, the, um, sort of st- almost like the first Spider-Man no more. I'm going to call it the one where he stops being Spider-Man because Aunt May is sick. Uh, uh, the green goblin in the, in Liz Allen's club. Right. So a uh, goblin attacks Spider-Man in the hematorch. Spider-Man runs away, spends an issue, not being Spider-Man. And then the following issue goes after Sandman and uh, back in action. Basically those three issues. Yeah. Uh, I remember liking those three issues and thinking they're really good. Yeah, but I think they're almost as good as the Master Planner saga. Yeah, it was really. And so I liked them more than I even remembered. I had that experience too. I mean, they're great. It's so fun. Those, especially the, um, well, both, especially the issue where he doesn't do anything. It's so fun. I, it felt amazing reading that issue. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That was really a, it was really a high point. Um, I guess something else that I was impressed by was how well. Steve Ditko, when he was on his game, which was most of the time in Amazing Spider-Man, yeah, is um, he really likes the weaving together of like the plots, like the A plot and the B plot will really end up combining a lot, you know, like yeah, the teenagers will be chasing the giant robot, or no, right, they're chasing uh, Peter Parker, yeah, while while, uh, Park- while the robot is chasing behind them, yeah. 
Um, th- things like that all happen in a really satisfying way. Um, he, I mean, he really, and he also, um, I mean, I just sort of half criticized him or, or pointed out his anger and his sadness. So I'm also going to point out how good he was at like bringing real emotional stakes into the story. Like a lot of his stories are very moving and, um, kind of sensitive to the pain that Peter Parker is going through. Yeah. Um, Like his weak issues is just strong guy punches and takes a bag of money. But I'd say more often there's like stuff going on for Peter that makes it emotional. Yes. With the villains. Yes. Um, I also think, and I've always sort of given uh, Stan all the credit for the humor in Spider-Man. Yeah. But in this reread, um, Steve Ditko's sort of visual comicry hit me really hard. Yeah, he's really funny. funny. Yeah, his drawings are truly funny and good. Like, I think he's funnier than uh, Kirby's stuff. Like, Kirby, I think all the, I mean, I have to reread those. I'm making a claim that I can't back up. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to read Kirby stuff and be like, almost all the humor is, is in Stan's Stan delivery of it. Yeah. Where there's panels that are just funny to look at. Yeah. That did go drew funny. Yeah. He was really good at physical slapstick stuff. And I had completely forgotten that. Yeah. There's also the aspect of, I think the stuff you're talking about with the kids being interacted, like some of the kids stuff I loved always, like when Peter punches flash in the boxing ring, it's always yeah. been a moment I've loved. And some of it, I think I didn't like, I was like, get back to Spider-Man. Hmm. Um, a little too much Peter. And now as an older, I'm sort of like, oh, I love it all. Yeah. I love like the robot being chased by the kids or, you know, I love, like yeah. that's a stupid thing. Yeah. But it sort of works for me. And I don't know if that's just me looking back at it fondly as sort of just like uh, an old sitcom sense. Like, oh, yeah, I like this Dick Van Dyke episode. <laughs> I don't care that it's silly and doesn't make sense. I don't know how much of it's that, but I sort of enjoyed all the interweaving even more, I think. And um, I guess the, the the other thing I'll say that I got out of this reread was really appreciating how um, how much was in place early in terms of what would be really important to the Spider-Man story. Like really by issue three, they had most of the major elements in place. Um, I mean, it wasn't as subtle or as smooth as it would be, but the pieces were there in some fashion or another. And then, and then kind of like, I guess I knew this already, but it was really fun to appreciate how much Stanley and Steve Ditko built on what they had learned from previous projects. For example, they had done Amazing Fantasy, which is like a bunch of Twilight Zone slash Tales from the Crypt style short stories with twist endings. And then Spidey's origin is kind of a, you know, ironic twist ending, you know, which they use to great effect and creepy noir stuff they used to great effect. And then they added in stuff they knew from other projects like humor, mm-hmm. ro- romance stories. I mean, these were two guys who had put their time in on lots of other titles, and then it all came to fruition on this one. Yeah, they basically like worked out on these sort of one-note, eight-page stories, and then put it all together. Like They worked all these different muscles, and then they became like strong men. Yeah, so that was sort of fun to see. And, you know, for the majority of the time, the partnership between them is really good. And they were able to combine Ditko's emotional sort of angst with with Lee's very funny dialogue. I'm almost more heartbroken now about Ditko leaving after this like umpteenth reread uh, because when it was working, which up to like issues like 33, it was working. Yes. Uh, I, re- I remember those issues in the 20s being bad, but on our reread, I'm like, they're not so bad. They're still good. 
Yeah, even like the Beatle issue, it's which is probably one of the low lights in the first Molten Man. Oh, the first Molten Man's pretty bad. First Molten Man's pretty bad. But other than that, those issues in the 20s are good, I think. Yeah, uh, and it all works, and it's almost more heartbreaking because it seems like they stopped talking, but they sort of were getting by, and at some point it just became untenable for both of them, I think. Uh, it wasn't Ditko, it wasn't Lee. Like Whatever had r- caused this rift, neither one of them wanted to fix it. And they both got sick of it. Yeah, it they seemed were, like they were both happy that Ditko left when he did. Yeah, it's it's really a tragedy from our from the fans' perspective. You know, I had this Beatles podcast where we talk and think a lot about the partnership of John Lennon and Paul McCartney, uh, and then just separately from that, as a music fan, I love this the band The Smiths, who have a writing partnership at the center of it, Johnny Marr and Morrissey partnerships mm-hmm. where there just seemed to be a really high percentage of high quality work. And then the people abruptly ended it before the work was even close to being bad. And it's from a fan's perspective, you're like, how can you walk away? This is maybe off topic and maybe you covered this in your Beatles podcast. Um, Do you think if John Lennon was alive today? Yeah. That they would get together and like make a song. I, in my own. Or at least some point in the, uh, his life. In in my opinion. And of course there is no way to know. I am like 10,000% sure that John and Paul would have gotten back together. <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. At least for like a song or two, right? I think more than that. I think they would have reunited for the rest of their lives. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That seems crazy, but maybe. I mean, I think they would have established a regular partnership of some kind where on the reg, they got together and did stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe, that's the thing. Maybe, I, maybe I, not I, exclusively, but it just would have been, a, oh, it's time for another John and Paul album. I'm, I'm like... Once the spotlight on them had diminished somewhat, um, yeah, and like, and I, I just feel like it was inevitable. And I think every I mean, Beatles fan has that hope, and it's part of the. It's one of the many, many tragedies of John's murder. Yeah, it, it sort of feels like that to me. And I'm not as um, I'm not a Beatles fan. Uh, uh, I don't even know if I can call myself a Beatles fan. So I was going to say I'm not as big a Beatles fan as you. I like the Beatles, uh, but I, that's always been my feeling too. It's like if those guys were still around today, they'd look back and be like, "Hey, let's do a song. Let's do an album. Let's do something. Yep. Let's at least perform a few times together." They definitely would have done that. They they definitely would have all played together. There's no yeah. And Stan and Steve never worked together again. I know. And and. They both lived long lives. Like they had opportunities. Many. It just was like, it was just not happening. Yeah. There was just something about their personality. I mean, and I, and I, again, not knowing a lot, it's, but it's, it's so hard to not try to like find explanations for yourself. But I, I put that on Ditko more. I just think he was such an oddball. Stan Lee, I think would work with anyone given enough to, like, even if somebody he hated, given enough time, he'd go back and work with them. Yeah. He'd do something. So um, Stanley is a salesman. He's like, yeah, that'll sell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where did goes like, no F you. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's very heartbreaking. So how all that happened. Yeah. Uh, it, it's also amazing to me. It shouldn't surprise me at this point that, um, cause as we've said, like, especially like the first 15 or 16 issues I've read hundreds of times. Yeah. Uh, the later issues I've read less, but some, you know, some of them I've only read once or twice before this reread, but, but you, have, uh, but you have read them and you have reread them. I've read them and reread them. And uh, it's still so fun to read them again. Yeah, they really, it was they great really to have hold an excuse. up. I, I loved it. I loved it too. Uh, one of my things uh, with comics that have gotten so expensive is when I buy comics now, 
I used to buy everything that I wanted to read. I was like, I'm interested in reading this. I'll buy it. And then I was like, oh, I'm spending too much on comics. Uh, and so I just started buying trade paperbacks because a little cheaper to buy them collected. Mm. And that was good. And then that got too expensive. And I finally realized I can only buy trade paperbacks that I believe I want to read at least three times. I see. Uh, I wasn't always right, but I would buy something. Of, I'll know I'll read it once. And then if I don't think I'm going to at least want to read it one more time and possibly want to read it again, it's not worth my money because it's too much. And uh, I don't, now that I have a kid, I don't read, read stuff uh, multiple times as, as much as I used to. But I also buy a decent amount less um, digital comics has made some, some of this easier, but uh, for trade paperback purchases, I still try to buy things that I'm like, hey, if I had time, I'd read this over and over and over again. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like uh, Ed Brubaker's criminal stuff. I'll buy all that. Cause I know it just, it reads great every time I read it. Yeah. Um, and this stuff lives up to that. I mean, I've bought this stuff four or five times. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, read it in multiple formats and it's always great. Um, yeah, it was a pleasure to, to see that in my opinion, it holds up. So now do we, do we want to move on and talk about what happens in the next couple issues, just in terms of threads wrapping up? You wanted to just, yeah, I want to talk just a little bit because if this was a TV show that ended, uh, you've got like Betty Brant, not in the picture. Um, a lot of things are, got a lot of things, a lot of things are in transition. Peter's just starting college. He's just meeting Gwen. They're sort of arguing all the time. We even saw that start to change in the two issues we read. So I just want to kind of hit a few things that are coming up in the next few issues that we're not going to cover that I think are interesting. Okay. So the next issue is issue 41 uh, features the Rhino, which is a big, uh, I think a big villain that was not created by Ditko. Yes. He mean, he's in the mold. He's an animal and he punches. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in that issue, first of all, Betty comes back to town talks to Peter. They don't really bring up the fact that they ever used to date, but Peter thinks to himself, Oh, there's no, there's no spark anymore. We have nothing in common. There's no connection anymore. It's over. Okay. And they're both fine with it. Ned shows up and Betty is happy to walk off with Ned and nobody, there's no anger. There's no maliciousness. It's a very rapid fire. Find uh, Peter thinks to himself, um, all these months, I've thought about her, dreamt about her, longed for her. So now she's returned, and nothingsville. <laughs> That's classic. Now, whatever Stan we Lee <laughs> dialogue in the Romita era, too. Yes, yes. Whatever we had before, whatever was between us, it's gone. So, like within a page and a half, that's resolved. Betty's back. They're not together. Peter is single again. Okay, it's a long time coming. Uh, also, in that same issue, he gets a motorcycle. Oh, right, the motorcycle. Which is a big part, I think, of the Romita uh, Stanley era. He's just a much more swinging dude in the Romita time. <laughs> it's so hard to imagine the Peter Parker we read owning, let alone riding, a motorcycle. Yeah. But he buys a motorcycle. Yeah. Also, doesn't wear a helmet, but, it, you know, that was the era of the time, I guess. Yeah, that wasn't as controversial a decision. So issue 42, Mary Jane shows up. Um, basically, Aunt May says, show up tomorrow. She's going to be here. It's going to happen. And it does. And that's the famous uh, entrance. It's the last page of issue 42. Face it, Tiger, um, you hit the jackpot. Yes. Um, <laughs> you just hit the jackpot. Okay. Uh, and then the next issue, you know, Peter's like, oh, my goodness, you're, <laughs> you're beautiful and amazing and fun. And she's really cool. And the rhino attacks again. And she's like, hey, let's go check that out. Yeah, she's not scared and which of is, danger. She's not scared of danger, which helps, like, 
also get Peter Parker near to the danger. Like they go to check out the rhino and then Peter's like, I'm going to go take some photographs. And she's like, OK, yeah, which uh, was not true at the time, but really fits in well with the retcon that eventually comes out that Mary Jane knows he's Spider-Man. Yeah, it's one of the best retcons I've ever witnessed. Yeah, like if you read this thinking that she knows, of course, she'd be like, hey, I got to I'll help you get closer to the thing. I know you're going to go there anyway. Yeah. And if you're going to run off, I'm not going to question you and slow you down from saving people. That's right. Uh, she's also a little too flighty for someone who's <laughs> uh, uh, that cool and smart, but her moves don't necessarily contradict her knowing for the most part. Right. There might be thought balloons throughout the run where she's like, where's he running off to and things like that. Yeah, but yeah. There are, there are large stretches where I'm like, yeah, it seems like she uh, is cool with him being Spider-Man. Anyway, so that's issue 42. Okay. Uh, by issue 44, Mary Jane is hanging out with the gang at the diner. Okay. And it's also crazy that it's a gang because like as we said, like they just sort of became friendly in issues 3940. Right. And they don't really hang out much in these issues, but by 44, they're all sitting at a diner together. Peter's sitting with Gwen, they're talking about studying together. Mary Jane shows up, they're all uh, uh, amazed by how beautiful she is and that Peter knows her. She wants to sit with them and hang out with them. The gang's all put together. Yeah. They're all sort of friendly, like Flash is definitely making fun of Peter, but it feels more like a friend. Yeah. Making fun of each other. Yeah. Sort of like a mean, like your mean friend who like kind of makes jokes about you that uh, they're a little, a little harsher. Yeah. But they're not the, they're not the all out total war Flash Thompson of the Ditko era. It doesn't seem like Flash hates him. It seems like Flash is just sort of like, hey, nerd. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a a jack and you're a nerd and we're friends. So I'm going to bring it up a lot. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, Spider Peter Parker makes fun of him back about being dumb. And it's like they all laugh about it almost. Yeah. Uh, also, Flash is drafted in that issue. Oh, wow. So in a few issues, he's gone. He goes to Vietnam. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. And there's like a farewell party that Peter is for sure invited to. Yeah. Big, like Flash wants him there, I guess. Big changes. He doesn't invite him directly. He, I think Gwen invites him for Flash, but it's very clear that Flash has no problem with Peter Parker being there. Where Peter, like Flash five issues earlier, would have been furious if Peter showed up to such a thing. Yeah. So Flash doesn't even finish his first year at college. He goes off to Vietnam. He's in college. He should get a deferment. I wonder if they talk about that. I think he, it seems like he's excited to go. Yeah, he's. It's not played as. I mean, this is Stan Lee writing it, so this is not played as. Oh no, I'm drafted. It's like awesome. Yeah, you're gonna go serve our country. Right, right. You're a World War II hero. <laughs> yeah, right. God, what a fascinating time for comics. To you know, the late '60s. Uh, issue 46, which is a uh, two issues after Flash mentions he's gotten drafted. Uh, Norman Osborn asks Peter to move in with him. Harry Osborn. Uh, sorry, yes, Harry Osborn asks Peter. Norman Osborn has gotten Harry an apartment with two bedrooms, rent-free. And Harry's like, hey, it's too big for just me. You should live with me. Which helps uh, constantly struggling with money, Peter Parker. Yeah, his whole life changes in these issues, huh? At the same time, Aunt May says, I want to move out. I want to move in. Or uh, either I want to move out with, I want to move in with Anna or Anna's moving in with me. I forget how that goes. But they move in. She moves in once Anna. Oh, it's uh, Mary Jane's aunt. Incredible. Everybody just gets friends. Like the world is so much nicer now. And it's like, so it's not like a dilemma where Peter's leaving Aunt May behind. Like they're both sort of like, hey, this, we both want to do these things to the same. It like works out almost too perfectly. Yeah. Like Peter's like, oh, I can't leave Aunt May. And Aunt May's like, oh, I can't leave Peter. He's so frail. And they're like, oh, great. We're both being taken care of. Yeah. Nice. Problem solved. Peter's in a cool apartment. Nice. He's got a motorcycle. He's hanging out with two beautiful women. Everyone's his friend. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and issue 50 is Spider Man No More. 
Oh, wow. Which is the issue where he gets sort of fed up trying to balance Spider-Man and uh, Peter Parker and just sort of throws his Spider-Man costume in the garbage can. Yeah. Jay Jonah finds it, frames it on his wall. He's so happy. He's finally <laughs> driven Spider-Man to quitting. But by the end of the issue, Spider-Man is broken into the bugle, taking his costume back and putting it back on. Nice. One issue. Uh, yeah. And it, it's that's a fine issue. And it's held up as a classic. And obviously the image of the costume in the garbage can is iconic. Right, right. Yeah. It doesn't read to me as fun as previous quittings that we yeah. read through the Ditko era. It just, it feels like, what are you complaining about? Yeah. Especially because his life is so good. It's like, it seems pretty, things are working. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's sort of an idea of what happens in the next handful of issues. Also like uh, the Shocker debuts, who's sort of a lame villain that I like. <laughs> um, the new Vulture shows up. Do you remember this guy? Oh yeah, the younger Vulture. Um, well, I think his name, uh, I'm going to look up his name real quick. Uh, his name might be Blackie. <laughs> he might be yeah, one of those weirdo guys. I love the name Blackie. Uh, yeah, Blackie. So it's <laughs> another Blackie character. Um, uh, the vulture tells him where he hit his wings. So Blackie gets the wings and the vulture is on death's door. He's dying. Uh, yeah. They don't show the vulture die and he doesn't cause he's, eventually uh back to being the vulture but for a while this is the only vulture a younger stronger vulture with like the green helmet right yeah he's got like a a helmet sort of covering up his curly black hair and uh i think it's like another move just sort of to get away from like why do we have an old frail guy as a supervillain? yeah let's have a young strong guy and it's like it does make sense it's cooler to have the old guy yeah. Ditko wanted something that looked cool and looked vulture-ish, and they wanted some like big bruiser with wings. Yeah. Um, and he's portrayed as like a real threat. Like I remember when I was reading um Web of Spider-Man when that first debuted, the Vulturions were sort of the vulture replacement, which were a team of people who had gotten the vulture technology and made winged suits. <laughs> but they were sort of treated as like not good at it. Oh, okay. Like even in those stories, it was sort of like Peter's like, well, there's five of them. That's the only thing that makes it even remotely difficult. They're not as good as the vulture as at flying and the vulture sort of was also existing at the same time. And it was almost played as like as someone told us to have younger vultures. So we did this, but we don't think it's a good idea. I say, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but that's what it felt like. It felt like one of those things that happens on a TV show where it's like enter this plot line. Like, all right, we're going to half ass it because we don't like it. Um, but at this time, Blackie uh, was treated like a, a real threat. Anyway, all that stuff sort of happens. It's very interesting uh, and it's good. And the art, uh, I think Ramita gets more comfortable drawing some of the weird uh, Spider-Man world, uh, Jonah and stuff like that. But it's still obviously everyone's more beautiful and cool looking. Yeah. Um, it's it's just so rapid. I mean, that's like, what is that? Uh, uh, 12 issues? Yeah, over one year. So in like a year, you've gotten rid of the vulture. Spider-Man's living with Norman. Flash is gone. Everybody's friends. Mary Jane's part of the group. Aunt May's no longer really a day-to-day issue. It's yeah. Crazy. Betty's yeah. back and fine. She's marrying Ned. It probably needed something. It probably had to change up the status quo in order to keep going. It definitely did. And uh, and I think as we discussed, like it would have felt, I would have loved like another year of Ditko. But yeah. probably at some point we would have been like, uh, I wish he had left a few issues ago. <laughs> yeah people are allowed to have friends steve did go <laughs> yeah but like i would i'd still wish we had like one last big arc 
building off of yeah. those sort of nothing stories we read. But yeah, it feels like something needed to change. He's definitely more super heroic. Uh, it, it swung so far the other direction. And yeah, you can sort of see pretty girls, creators. good looking dudes, motorcycles, yeah. Hepcat language. Pretty nuts. And I think new creators definitely swing it somewhere in between that. Yeah. Like it was so much too much of a course correction where it's like, we can't have Peter live in this great apartment with Norman Osborne. It's too nice for him. Yeah. You can't have totally groovy Peter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, sort of a okay. cool futures in line for Peter Parker. And they're fun issues. If you do want to read them, um, I don't know of a collection to recommend, but I'm sure it's out there. Yeah, uh, but the I think the the first couple years of Ramita stuff is very good. Uh, I, it, it wears on me eventually, but it's it's starts strong. It sounds great. I'd forgotten how much happens right away. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's future of Spider Man. Now, should we catch up on our email? Yeah, we got a ton of emails. Um, so uh, let's just start. Okay. I sort of sent a couple tweets out over the last week and a half, reminding people that we were wrapping up. So if people wanted to. Um, email us they could they'd have they get it in in time and so we got a bunch and it's very flattering and and wonderful that everyone emailed us uh first off we have nate treese okay uh i'm 28 i first got into spider-man after reading some comics my grandmother bought me oh nice a spider-man unlimited number one and spider-man 2099 number three okay. i loved spider-man 2099 peter david wrote it it was great Okay. <laughs> um, I was also pretty into the Spider-Man animated series on Fox and the 2000 Nintendo 64 video game. Uh, that Spider-Man animated series brought a lot of people into the comics. Well, yeah, we've heard that from many people. Uh, the combination of Spider-Man three and one more day turned me off the character for a long time, but your podcast along with the new PlayStation four game has gotten me excited to dive in again. Ooh. He just bought the first few trades of Chip Zartsky's. Spectacular Spider-Man series and Peter David's new Scarlet Spider series, along with some old Roger Stern collections. Oh, but you're going to love them. Um, anyway, uh, thanks again for an entertaining show. I hope the Screw It Exciting Universe will live on after the podcast ends. Oh, so nice. Uh, he talks a little bit more about the video game in there. Um, but yeah, he's uh, 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 it's great to hear that we got someone to start reading Spider-Man again and they like it. Yeah, that's a, that's a relief. <laughs> it, it's sort of also just flattering to be paired with this video game. Uh, yeah, which is such a momentous, huge accomplishment of people who have worked such a long time. And I think that our podcast is just as important. Yeah, if not more important. If not 10 times as important. <laughs> yeah, it's us, then Ditko, then the video game, then Stanley. <laughs> Stanley's after the video game. Sorry, I mean, it's, it's oh, rough, you know. Poor Stan. Yeah, it's tough, it's tough. <laughs> uh, then the movies. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, movies don't have quite the... Uh, yeah, people don't watch movies. The reach, yeah. They're into podcasts. Um, Jacob emailed us, I've been catching up on the podcasts since I discovered it a few weeks ago, and I'm loving it. I read the first Essentials collection when I was a kid, but nothing past that. Mm -hmm. I got Marvel Unlimited right before I discovered this podcast, so I was already reading more. You guys just made me appreciate it way more than I was already. Oh, that's really nice to hear. Um, he talks about the Ultimate Universe. I always liked the Enforcers and thought they must have been super important in the actual comics. What a crushing blow knowing big guy, rope man, and guy who kind of knows karate are not A-list villains. <laughs> um. And another person goes, I hope you guys keep going. It's nice. I responded to him saying the enforcers may be C-listers, but that just makes them more lovable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm fascinated with them. Uh, James uh, emails us. James Rushton. 
Okay. It has been a pleasure following you both through this journey. What's more, it helped me establish a connection to something I've never been connected to before. I've enjoyed delving into your back catalog following my initial reading, recording, and rereading uh, of these issues. Honestly, you've nailed it. Was, revi- <laughs> was revisiting the Steve Ditko Spider-Man issues everything you'd hoped it would be? Ooh, wow, that's amazing. Uh, and this is, oh, this is James Rushton from Swinging Through Spider-Man. Oh, James, yeah. I, didn't, oh, I connected him so, as I started reading that. Man, that, uh, they're they're very funny. I ha- no, I have they they have a ton of episodes, and I've listened to maybe like five or six of them. But these guys are hilarious. These are these Northern England guys who were reading. I think they've never read them before. Yes, they're they are, they're aware of Spider Man through movies and maybe a few yeah. odds comics here and there late late. But they're sort of coming in blind as far as like comics fans, and it's really funny. Yeah, I've listened to a few, uh, and it's great when they get into it. It's it's very satisfying when they're like, "This is good." <laughs> Yeah, because they're not, they have no predisposition to automatically love it like we do. We're sort of like invested because of our childhoods. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they, there's stuff they make fun of, but when they like stuff, is, I, I get excited. Which is totally fair. There's lots of stuff that has aged really badly. And, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah, but it's nice when something genuinely hits. But that's a good podcast to listen to do, Swinging Through Spider-Man. Uh, but James asks, was it uh, everything we'd hoped it would be? And I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's it's I'm I'm super glad we did it. I mean, if we didn't do this, you would not have ordered all those Steve Ditko issues. That's true. I would not which, have those collections. And who knows how easy they are to get now? Yeah. And is was that out of print? I mean, I gotta assume there was a rush for that stuff. Oh, okay. Um, after he died. I mean, that just tends to happen. Some oh, of it wow. probably still available, but I bet a lot less of it. Oh yeah, God, I forgot he died halfway through this. Yeah. Um, Robert Christ emails us. Robert Christ has written us a few times. Um, short email, you hyped up the master planner saga. And in my opinion, it delivered. Oh, great. Uh, with all this hubbub of your final episode, uh, I'll take you as being serious. That is so sad. I get there are other things in your lives, which will require your attention. And there are so many good Spidey stories that this podcast should never end. Uh, uh, could never end. Thank you for what you have done. Learning the true beginnings of Spider-Man was so fun with your help. You guys deserve a prize, not a no prize, but an actual prize. Um, it's very nice. Robert's been listening for a long time, written this a number of times. Uh, very, uh, grateful to have him on board. Oh, that's really, that's really sweet. And you know, it doesn't, it doesn't believe it or not as, as much as we are into these Spidey comics, it honestly doesn't really hurt my feelings when somebody reads them and they're not into it. You know, they're like, well, you know, it's too, too yeah. out of touch. I mean, I totally get it. Like you know, if it's like the style's too different, um, you know, whatever, what, you know, my standards are, are set because of modern comics and, and this is too old or, or, or just like you, you overhyped it and it, you know, and it, and it doesn't mean as much to me as it does to you, someone who has loved the story for decades. I, I actually totally get it. I, I'm, I'm either too old or too mellow or just too conflict averse. It's cool with, it's cool with me if you don't dig it. I, I don't get mad. Uh, I mean, I, I I'm too into it to be, truly objective um and sometimes it makes me look at something with new eyes when somebody is like yeah here's why i don't like a friend of mine told me like it's too um wordy yeah like they they don't like that the art is covered up by so many big stanley word balloons especially if you read comics now and hadn't read old comics before it's so different yeah so i am i'm i'm always interested to hear a fair new look at old comics. I guess I don't like it on the occasion when somebody seems weirdly pre predisposed to not like it. Um, 
I've had this happen more in the Beatles world. People be like, screw the Beatles. They're like, they're, they're overrated and I, and I hate them. And it's like, ah, you, you're not listening. But if somebody like listens to like an old Beatles album, they're like, I can't get into it. It's too old. I'm like, I get it. And, and I, and I like hearing anybody's opinion if they've given it a fair shot. Mm -hmm. But that said, I of course love it when somebody also connects with it. So thank you so much. I mean, I've always heard that the uh, Jack Kirby's Thor run is second only to his Fantastic Four run. And I've never read most of it. I've read I a few either. issues and I, and I can't, I've never dove in cause I find them sort of hard to get into, but I, I don't know. Maybe if I read them, I'd love them. Something, but I get that. I, I get that feeling of like, ah, this isn't my thing. Yeah. And um, that's a big gap in my knowledge too. As somebody who loves Jack Kirby's fantastic for it, it makes sense that I should read Thor cause he was definitely super invested into it. And you got Stan Lee doing it, and obviously that character. It's funny. I've read the Walt Simonson Thor's. I read the yeah, 1980s. I loved Walt Simonson's Thor. Uh, it was great. And you got to imagine that's uh, building off of mostly Kirby stuff. Yeah. So I, I, by all rights, should go back and read those Thor's. It's been on my to-do list for ages, I, and it's whenever I think about it, I'm like, oh, I don't want to read all those vows and thou arts. Yeah. Which who knows what it's like to read them? It's probably fun. You, you probably get acclimated. I mean, I, it worked and it sold. So I have to, and it's by these two guys who are giants. I have to assume that it's at least yeah. good. But it's something, I, uh, um, so I get it, I guess, when people don't like anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Morris emails us. Uh, just wanted to write and say how much I'm loving the podcast. I got into comics a year or two ago via the Unlimited app mm-hmm. and read all the old Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Oh, great. Uh, so it's a great trip to go back through these Ditko issues with you guys. Oh, so nice. I want to thank you for your recommendation of Sinister Foes of Spider-Man. It's one of the few modern comics I've really loved as much as the old ones. And that's the uh, short-lived series by Nick Spencer, current Amazing Spider-Man writer, focusing on Boomerang and a few other also-ran villains. Sort of a comic villain's take okay. on the Spider-Man world. Right. Very fun, very cool comic. Uh, and he's now buying Nick Spencer's uh, Spider-Man comic physically. So, uh, Nick Spencer, you're welcome. <laughs> Uh, as far as questions goes, what's a Spider-Man storyline you think would make for a good movie or pitch your best idea for a Spider-Man what if comic? I think we already talked about the movie thing pretty in depth. Yeah. So let's pitch a what if comic, Will. Okay. I have a real comic nerds one and it would be like, what if Steve Ditko had kept drawing Spider-Man and I want some like, you know, super nerd, which I think most of the spider creators are very reverent to the history to try to do Five years after Ditko left, if he had kept going, where is the series at? Mm-hmm. That'd be my what if. And it would sell zero copies because uh, even I would forget to buy it. <laughs> but that, but that, that, that's my pitch. Um, what if uh, what if Aunt May died during the Master Planner saga? What if he got back an hour too late? Yeah. Oh, my God. What a oh, my God. Just yes. like, just missed it. Everything else is exactly the same, but it gets back like she just died. I mean, he becomes the most depressed and broken man in Marveldom. Yeah. Uh, But I don't think he quits, but I do think he becomes joyless. He might quit being Peter Parker. Yeah, he might just give up his human side entirely and be like, I'm just here to make amends. Yeah. Um, Man, what an interesting, that's a great what if story, because I would not want to live in that universe, but I might not mind taking a glimpse at it. Um, Alex asks one more question, Will. He just signed up for improv. I have one more what if. Great. What if the Watcher joined the Enforcers? (laughs) Mm. (laughs) The Watcher? Yeah. Uh Okay, just Uh, think about it. Get back to me. Sure, sure, sure. I'd say Galactus maybe makes a more interesting... People always throw Galactus in their what ifs. I'm saying the Watcher. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know what the Watcher's powers really are. Well, you know, you'd have Fancy Dan with his kicks and then Montana with his ropes, Ox punch things, and the Watcher can just sort of tell them what's going to come next. Watcher's just looking around. I'll be lookout. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, looking. Yeah, we know Watcher. Of course, we know. of course he's lookout. He should be lookout. <laughs> I cannot interfere, but I'll let you know when the cops are on the way. You think the enforcers were robbing that place? I don't know. There's a giant bald guy on top of the building. Hey, Watchy, let us know when the heat is getting close. <laughs> Ox is like, I could take him. <laughs> Ox, be careful. He's got the <laughs> ultimate nullifier. <laughs> um, Alex also just signed up for improv classes oh, nice. after thinking about it for years, inspired by us. <laughs> okay. Uh, as well as comedy bang bang. But I think he's implying mostly us. Yes, I think we're more of a comedy influence than comedy bang bang. Uh, he's very nervous. Wish me luck and give me your best advice. Uh, I mean, you don't need any advice if you've got the courage to do it. Courage and bravery is what you need. And if you have the courage and bravery to sign up, you're, you'll do great. And yeah, don't be afraid to look stupid. Level one improv is a blast. I, I think everybody yeah. on earth should take level one improv. I, I don't necessarily think that anybody needs to do more than that if it doesn't really connect with them. But level one is for, really great. I think for people who've never done it before, level one often is mostly just getting over that feeling of like, I look foolish. Yeah. Um, and don't worry about it because you don't look foolish. Um by the very nature that you look brave and cool and smart. I'll, I'll even um, be a little bit like uh, Macy's and Gimbel's and Miracle on 34th Street that take level one improv at any institution. Obviously, I'm a UCB guy. I'm a company man. I like the level one at my school. But if you're not near a UCB theater or if you have an affinity for some other organization, any level one improv class will teach you that they're, they're all, they, they all overlap a great deal. It's kind of like level one Buddhism, like the basic tenets no matter which way it ends up going, are very similar. And, and I, I, tr I recommend it to every human being on the planet Earth. Well, he's taking them in Australia, so he's not taking them at the UCB. Okay. Sydney or Melbourne, does he say? He doesn't say. Alex from Australia. It's a small uh, continent, so I'm sure he... <laughs> I've been to both Sydney and Melbourne, and I know the main improv outfits there currently, so I'd be curious which one he's doing. Um, well, he won't tell me. Okay, yeah. He's keeping it close to his chest. Uh, Alexis Martinez, who was the first female to email our podcast. Oh, hello, Alexis. Writes us back. She goes, it's the OG girl emailer. <laughs> cool. Uh, she wants us to make more episodes. I feel really happy listening to you guys talk about these comics. Furthermore, I enjoyed the topic of comics so much that me and my friends began a comic book club in Denton, Texas. Oh, that's so great. Um so, uh, and she talks a little bit about how much she loves that. Uh, thank you for making something unique and fun. I hope to listen to more of you guys. Uh, that's awesome that yeah. uh, we inspired her and she's inspiring other people. I think comics are so fun and so easy to read. Um, I don't know. I love them. I Obviously, I've been reading them since I was 10. Alexis, email us. If you're listening to this, Alexis, email us one more time and tell us the comics that your club is reading. I want to know what you guys are reading. Uh, that's an order, Alexis. You have to do that yes. now. That is an imperative. Um, uh, yeah, people can still email us, screw it, Spidey at gmail.com. Um, even though we're not recording, we'll still read this emails we'll and, still read, uh, yeah. uh, and we'll answer them occasionally. We're interested in all comics and Spidey thoughts. Uh, still got a bunch more to get through, Will. Love it. Uh, uh, Tim Murphy. He came to this podcast through Will's Beatles podcast. Ugh. Uh, he talks about that for a little bit. And he talks about something called Comedy Bang Bang. Never heard right, of it. Right. A Never shout out to it. the Mesmerist. <laughs> I assume that's you, Will. 
Yeah, I had a character called Hypnado the Mesmerist. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you don't like that name? <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, as, as with every comedy bang bang character, I had a plan and it, and which went away within the first 10 seconds of his appearance. Um, uh, Tim uh, writes a long email, so I'm just going to pick a couple of little moments from it. Uh, he says, here, here is, he, he does it in segments, so his hot takes segment. Lists oh, okay. that the Master Planner saga was fantastic, and we did not overhype it enough. Oh, <laughs> uh, Parker's that. aren't quitters made him cry. Oh yeah, the, I'm, I have choked up many times. Uh, the kid in the hospital, which I think he means the uh, kid who collects Spider Man, was a little much. Okay, I mean it, it's definitely very melodramatic. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a uh, it's a maudlin story um, that makes me cry every time I read it. <laughs> yeah, it works on me every time, but I it is certainly it is a lot of schmaltz. Uh, and Ditko's art art is better than Kirby's, is what he says. Um, I uh, it's it's so unique that I can totally understand that it would connect. I, I can't go that far because um, to me they're both like primary colors of the Marvel universe. Yeah. It's like saying red is better than blue. It's like well they're both so necessary, yeah. but it's it's it does a lot of things differently than Kirby's art for sure. Um, he read all of Invincible because we recommended that. I believe actually Scott Ackerman recommended that. Yeah. Um, and it's a great comic and he's been reading that. Um, he will definitely finish it. He's also neck deep in early Fantastic Four. It's absolutely crazy and ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I agree with both those. Uh, talks a little bit about it. He's about to get to the Galactus stuff when he was writing this. So he's in for oh, a yeah. treat. You're in for a treat. Yeah. Um, yeah, he talks about uh, uh, some more of that. He also loved Meta, uh, Black Hammer, which he doesn't remember if we recommended, which we did. I recommended Black Hammer. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, he wants us to do more podcasts about Fantastic Four, X-Men, other Marvel characters. Uh, go on forever. <laughs> That's what he wants us to do. That's very nice. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Tim. Uh, ben Humans. Um, he says that we don't have to read this out loud, but I'm going to read a little bit of it anyway. Uh, he's 21, an avid listener of the podcast, and now an avid reader of comic books and any form of pop art mag I can get my mitts on. Pop art, yeah. <laughs> uh, Stanley and Steve Ditko seem to be an unmatched duo, and I'm so grateful to have been introduced to them both. It's very strange and sad to see two people who thrive so well together creatively in spite of their creative differences. It seems like both of them insisted on being appreciated and regarded separately when it was their collaboration that made these issues so special. 100% agree. Even though they weren't speaking, I like to hope that there were moments in their estranged offices, maybe when they were drafting the Master Planner saga, when a beleaguered, beautifully penciled Peter Parker was waiting for a powerful, if a little hammy piece of prose to give him the strength to triumph. Uh, moments like these, when both of them could see how important and essential the other ones was to the wonderful marvel that is Spider-Man. And then Artie would let her. <laughs> oh, nice dig on Artie there. Yeah, nice dig it. on Artie. I like, that, I like to imagine there were moments... It's 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 easier to imagine Stan having moments where he appreciated what Ditko was doing than the other way around. But I'd love it if it went both ways. Uh, yes, I was I would I've, I've had many daydreams about them actually or uh, liking it. Just like imagine Ditko like reading an issue going, oh, it's good what Stan did there. Yep. It's hard to imagine, but I would love it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you for writing, Ben. That was a really great uh, uh, peek into what we both feel about their relationship. Yes. Uh, Brennan Beckwith, who's written, uh, at least tweeted at us a few times. I don't know if he's yep. emailed us. Um, he's, a, he's an improv guy out here in L.A. And he was in New York for a while, too. Um, he's ta He plugged us on his uh, YouTube channel, he says. Oh, that's nice. Um, 
So he's a fan. I don't read the comics that often that often. So your podcast is really great insight into that whole world. Thanks for creating it and keeping keep it up, please. Um, what makes Spider-Man your favorite superhero? What gives him that edge for you? Wow. Uh, I love that question. Um, I, I think I know my answer. Uh, and it's basically that I it's it's I would actually say that it's Peter Parker who's my favorite superhero. It's like because the human being character is so good. Yeah. And, uh, relatable. Like, you know, they really nailed that character. And so it really his powers are almost irrelevant. If he if, he, if his superpower was like changing the shape of water into things, <laughs> uh, I would still love it because it's just this lonely teenager who's trying to do the right thing and 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 at war with his own guilt and sense of duty is what makes me love him. Uh, I agree with that. I think his powers aren't that important. I think they need to be sort of slightly off kilter powers. Yeah. Like clinging to walls and swinging through the air uh, are sort of odd powers versus like Superman's heat vision, for instance, uh, and making his powers just a little left of center. Uh, I yeah. think is important, but beyond that, they could be sort of anything. They could be any, any sort of creepy ish power yeah. that make him not quite heroic enough. Yeah. I don't know why his powers work so well, but uh, I mean, the, it, the it character works because of Peter Parker. You, you are right. The off kilterness is sort of necessary. And it's also, that's a necessary ingredient of a lot of sixties Marvel, like on paper, the plan for the powers is often a little weird and it might give you pause. And the fact that they went ahead with it sometimes was ended up being the magic ingredient that made it cool. I.E. silver surfer, right? A strange idea that works or he should not Gal work. He should not work. Or Galactus's visual design is really, it's just odd. And like, where does that come from? Yeah. Uh, the idea that like, oh, this guy lives in space and he rides a surfboard that, that we earthlings use on, on water. Yeah. So like, that off kilterness is a, is a necessary ingredient in a lot of great sixties comics, sixties Marvel comics. Um, Spidey, I mean, you know, Spidey's one of those like accidents of, I mean, both a product of two great talents and also a lot of luck. And I don't know, Ditko visually had great taste and he knew how to make that Spidey character, uh, visually, um, compelling. And there's those, a reason why little kids love Spider-Man long before they are mature enough to grasp the story. I like the original DC characters or the, the, the Silver Age DC characters make more sense, right? Flash makes sense as a power. Even Green yeah. Lantern makes sort of sense. Yes. And his story makes sense. You know, this like team of guardians who choose an Earth yeah. guy. But then like even looking at like Captain America, it's like he throws a shield. <laughs> He's got wings over his head like a Greek god, but that's like Mercury, but he's never mentions Mercury. Um, and Thor. So wait, the god of Norse thunder is one of your heroes? Like an actual religious entity. I mean, it would be like having like St. Paul is in the Avengers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Marvel works despite all that. Yeah. Um, um, he also asks if we had a say in uh, how these characters were used in the movies, what would we want to see? Uh, the Spidey characters? Yeah. Um, I think I have really appreciated that there's been so many great Spidey movies. Um, I, I, I still think his romantic side has not been represented well. Maybe that's because Ditko was always so, uh, sort of like not sure of himself when it came to real human interaction. But like, I, I haven't yet seen a Spidey romance that, I, oh, you know what? That's not true because Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone scenes 
in the first Amazing Spider-Man, they, they actually they were really good. I, I'm at a loss. I'm not sure. Kev, what's your answer here? Uh, I mean, I think they're doing pretty good overall, even though I criticize every aspect of these movies. Um, I, I, they're not jumping so far away from these the character that he's unrecognizable. And I don't yeah. mind them making changes and tweaking things as long as it feels like Spider-Man. And, yeah. and most most of these movies, parts of them at least feel like spider I see where it's coming from generally. Yeah, they're, they're, people are putting a lot of effort and love into doing a good job with the character, and that has paid off, I think. Yeah, I think Amazing Spider-Man 2 is the worst Spider-Man film of all time, but I don't think that person, uh, Mark Webb, didn't get Spider-Man. I think he just you know, didn't tell a story I was interested in, per se. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I... I think some of the things like the romance, the romantic angle, as well as sort of like the high school uh, anguish, sort of like the day to day problems can't be fully shown in a movie that needs to be epic and blockbustery. I really wish there was I would love a live action TV show. Right. I don't think we're quite there yet, but something where like uh, I think I mentioned when I saw the Spider-Man musical at Fringe or not Fringe, uh, one of those the New York theater um Festivals. festivals i loved how flash thompson was such a big part of the story yeah because it, it like it was a smaller more humorous take and you could have flash thompson sort of the bully be a part of the story um and you just can't do that in a movie having flash be a major part of the movie would seem ridiculous right uh and so i'd love that someday yeah um i'm not complaining that i get epic awesome movies about spider-man <laughs> yes um, uh, as people who were fans for a long time when it didn't even seem like a possibility, we do appreciate how much care and how many resources have been devoted to these Spidey properties. Um, but yeah, I think they're doing good. I think, I, I don't know if Sony's doing good, but Sony slash Marvel are doing fine. Yeah. Uh, we got a bunch more. Let's try to get through some. Okay. Kevin Wilson, uh, emails us. Uh, you got here through the Beatles podcast as well. He loved your solo album episodes. Well, Ooh, thank you. Um, he is 42, so he's right in our range. Welcome. Welcome uh, oldie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> your podcast has me visiting comic book stores for the first time in my life and trying to get into the current run a bit. It took a minute for this comic rookie to understand how the reboots work, starting with issue number one from, from the new reboot series. Mm -hmm. uh, which happened twice in the last year or so. Yeah. It's really annoying. Yeah. Um, I decided to stick only to amazing Spider-Man for the most part, since I can't imagine spending time trying to keep up with other superhero books. Um, a few things I've liked about listening to your podcast. I answer a lot more comic book questions at my local pub quiz. <laughs> got a question about miles Morales, right? Apparently recently. Oh, nice. I enjoy laughing about the insane writing styles of Stan Lee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes your episodes in the crap storylines can be the best. <laughs> uh, parentheses, I can't wait for your Enforcer series, Will. <laughs> All right. Uh, and he loves our segments. Uh, and he wants us to keep going as well. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Kevin, from San Diego. Thank you so much. I, I, love, I love hearing that. Another uh, Kevin emailed us. Oh, we're getting a lot of Kevins. I love that. <laughs> this is Kevin Morrill. Uh, he's been listening to our podcast since around issue eight or so, uh, rereading these, rereading these old issues as you talked about them has made me really appreciate what Ditko and Lee accomplished. I am the same. I am the sort of crazy person that woke up one morning and said, I should read Spider-Man comics. So I started at amazing fantasy 15 and then read the entirety of amazing over the course of a summer in college. Wow. And that is insane. That's a yeah. lot. Of, no matter when that was, that's a lot of comics. Yes, that is a huge number of pages. Um, 
He asks, which of Spidey's later villains do you think would have been the most interesting to see in Ditko stories from the 60s? I sort of, I think we sort of talked about a storyline last episode that we'd like to see Ditko do, and I had mentioned Venom. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not as familiar enough with the modern comics to say, and even the 80s ones that I read, the main villains are still the Ditko villains. Yeah. Um, he says he'd love to have us to do a season two, but he understands that the Enforcer's pilot takes up too much of our time. Uh, yes, the Enforcer's pilot is going to be – well, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't really take that much time <laughs> since I can't get any uh, – until some company with money is interested, it will not take that much of my time. Yeah. Well, I mean that could change right now. We could get a call today. while we're doing this. That could change today, yeah. Uh, Ricky Gaddy has binged all our episodes in less than a month. Uh, I haven't been able to follow along completely in my essentials issues due to all of my current comics. I never thought I'd like the style of the old stuff, but you guys made it fun and have me playing along and choosing my favorite Stanley dialogue. Nice. My wife and I hope you guys keep going with anything comic related. We have made Fancy Dan into a little inside joke and would love to see Will's Enforcers TV show. Ooh, thank you. Keep it up, guys. Keep that. Keep those thoughts in the zeitgeist. Um, I love it. I love uh, uh, my wife won't read Spider-Man comics. I force her to look at panels every once in a while. So I'm jealous. <laughs> She, she doesn't know who Fancy Dan is, for sure. She lets you dress your son in lots of Spider-Man gear, though. And she buys him lots of gear. She's she's helping me brainwash him into thinking Spider-Man's his favorite. And it's not working. He likes the Hulk more. Yeah, the, well, the, Hulk, the Hulk's kind of more fun. Kids love the Hulk. Uh, he still likes Spider-Man, but he loves the Hulk. I mean, it'll be... It feels very fitting that your child will end up not really digging Spider-Man. Do you know what I mean? Like, it seems very, yeah. like... Typical of fathers and sons. It's like, you don't like football? Not me. I'm a nerd. You don't like Spider-Man? Yeah. Like, he's going to be a Flash Thompson fan. <laughs> oh, man. That'll hurt. Uh, <laughs> I'd be happy with a Hulk fan, though. Hulk's yeah, great. Yeah, Hulk's great. Uh, Nick Wood emailed us. Big fan of the show. Listening a while. Read the original comics, and it's been a fantastic... It's been a while since I've... Uh, uh, oh, no. I've been listening while I read the original comics, and it's been a fantastic experience. These comics are amazing and are hilarious, and you guys have made them more enjoyable. So thank you. Um, Thank you so you only let me down uh-oh, uh-oh. one time so far. Okay. I just listened to your episode on the Unmasked by Dr. Octopus episode, and I was yeah. waiting for you to mention the greatest line in all of comics. <laughs> uh, so Peter swings on a flagpole on page 13 and says, if I'm ever elected president, I'm going to declare a national Be Kind, Be kind flag of Flagpoles Day. Week. Yeah. Um, he's right. That's a good line. That is a good line. We should have mentioned it. He's right. So Nick's right. We I, failed. I remember it. I remember it. Um, yeah. Good Stanley joke. Uh, yeah. Sort of calling out that the him overusing flagpoles is a very funny move. Yeah. Uh, Robert O'Connor from Dublin, Ireland. Okay. Uh, he steamrolled through episodes one through 12 and the episode we did about the movies. Loving the show. I read the Ditko stories a handful of times. I wanted to go back to them again after playing the new game. PS4 yes. again. But I haven't got t- the time with work. So it's been great to be able to listen to them from such huge fans. Oh, cool. I'm far less familiar with the Romita era and beyond. And while I'm sure you probably aren't considering tackling the entire run, I would at least ask that you consider going up as far as the seventies or eighties before things got done for a while. So he just wants us to do another 22 years worth. <laughs> um, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Um, but we might cover some parts of those. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. There's some stories in there that I really love. Uh, Benjamin Sawarto. Um, uh, if you love the fantastic four so much, why don't you marry them? Fair. Or do your next season of your podcast uh, because those issues sound great. Yeah, or, or more fair. That's more fair, yeah. It's harder to marry the concept of uh, those characters. Yeah. Someday the Supreme Court will let us do it. 
Uh, Jay Schwartz wants to do a uh, podcast about Ditko's old weird tale type stories. Oh yeah. I bet you, I have not read too many of those and they look really fun. Yeah. I, I worry that it would get repetitious, but it could be a fun one off or two off. Yeah. That's from Jay Schwartz. Uh, now Jonathan Hosington. Um, not sure how interested you'll be, but I figured since this is the end of my favorite podcast, I share with you guys that I've planned what I've planned for my entire comic collection. Okay. Uh, he's been messaging me about this as well. So this is a Jonathan Hosington TXFXL on Instagram. That's important. If anyone's listening right now, (laughs) he is trading all of his key issues, uh, away about 500 comics valued at about $25,000 so that he can try to get a copy of amazing fantasy 15. Wow. I've gone through all my issues and made a spreadsheet with everything categorized by title, issue, condition, key details, and an average sale price from the last two months of eBay sold data. Um, he's getting rid of first appearances of Wolverine, Punisher, Thanos, Juggernaut, Nightcrawler. Um, so uh, if anyone's listening and is interested in trading with this guy or has an Amazing Fantasy 15 that they're looking to unload, uh, this guy's trying to make a deal. Uh, yeah, he wants to have his, get rid of his entire collection basically and have one book. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a cool idea. There's something that makes sense about that, like collecting a mass of comics when you probably will not read those issues very often. Why don't you just reduce it to one artifact that just symbolizes your love of all of it? There's there's something sensible about that. Tom Brevroot, who's an editor at Marvel, did something like this. I forget, forget what comic he traded for. It was like some early Fantastic Four issue that he was missing from his collection. And he basically started with two more modern comics or something. And just through trades wanted to trade until he got to the comic he wanted. Like did one of those things. I wish I could remember what comic it was he traded for. It was really fun to read about. Yeah. Um, also, I'm surprised this guy's collection is he, did he say $25,000? So he says, yeah, man, that's a, that's gotta be a good collection. Sounds good. Yeah. What if it's all just like ghost Rider issue two through, it's like, he's just way overestimating the, the value. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mother Teresa. Number one. Yeah. He, he, he thinks those are uh, worth more than they are. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he does mention he has the first appearance of Wolverine, Punisher, Thanos, and Juggernaut. Okay, those are those are all pretty good. Yeah, but also he doesn't mention that he does not mostly have Ghost Rider comics. He doesn't. He doesn't eliminate that as a possibility. Then I believe it. Yeah, uh, he also says in Stanley alliteration. All right, you webheads, have a terrific time touting the titillating tales from the tomes of timely comics. Ta-ta. Nice. Ooh, very good. Lots of tease. Sam Russell emails us. Thank you for your service. I haven't thoroughly enjoyed. I haven't thoroughly enjoyed your insightful commentary and contagious love for Spider-Man, Titko, and comics. Uh, I think you meant I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tone or of it seems to be a compliment. Yeah, or he's just a very bold critic. <laughs> I have not thoroughly enjoyed. Well, all right, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before discovering your podcast, my media diet was mostly stress binging news and political podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a different um, different tone. Uh, while I stay informed, I've greatly improved my quality of life, moderating my news intake and replacing it with shows such as yours. Um, so thank you. Thank you for listening, Sam, even if you haven't enjoyed it. Uh, but I think he has. I think he has. Yeah. Uh, Noel Tate, who's uh, emailed us a few times or at least uh, tweeted at us and or okay. Instagrammed at us. Um, thank you for the great series. I hope you continue to make some more comic themed podcasts. I'd love to have you do one on the Lee Kirby FF. Yeah. Um, he loved Zart- Zartsky's last spectacular issue that we talked about real briefly. Yeah, so great. 
Uh, he just read all of his Howard the Duck comics, which is oh, a really wow. fun run. It's very funny. He's got a lot of Spidey in his run, and I came across this little Easter egg. And he sent me a panel from the comic um, where Spider-Man says uh, uh, something about, uh, I think, uh, uh, getting a tattoo. And goes, but probably not my last. And there's an asterisk, and there's a caption box that says, Read the inconsolable Spider-Man number eight, 2018 spider. Peter gets a tattoo of uncle Ben, <laughs> uh, which, and this kind of came out before 2018. So yeah, they were predicting a future issue of Spider-Man where he'd get a tattoo of uncle Ben. That's really fun. It's a very fun joke. I also love that. There's a, an imagined Spider-Man series called the inconsolable Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, a few more to go. Well, all right. Uh, Megan Jarcha Jarkow emails us uh, uh, hello megan just heard about your podcast last week and while listening to screw it let's just talk about the beatles mm-hmm. uh so you plugged this i guess well i yes thank you you're welcome uh, both great podcasts um doesn't say but i think she prefers this one because i'm on it um all right you're just kind of reading that in there but all right i think it's in there um if you could pick any beatles song to become spider-man's new theme song what would it be i think this is for you well yes um my brain is already fried with thinking of a million. I want it to be a happy song. Like I first thought of yesterday because he's such a rueful guy, but I don't want it to be like a sad song. So I'm going to say, I think, you know what? I think Spidey's a little bit of a nerd. Uh, and I, and I, I kind of like him not being super cool. So I'm going to think that his favorite song is birthday by the Beatles. You know, like he would just swing around, like humming that out loud. Uh, that's, uh, uh, all right. I'm going to trust you uh, on that. I don't know yeah. Beatles songs well enough to pick one. Also, we'd like, and see him doing, we can work it out ironically to villains as he like ties them up and punches them out. How's that go? Um, try to see it my way. Only time will tell if I am right or I am wrong. We are. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. We can work it out. We can work it out. That one. Uh, that sounds, that sounds like I can see Peter singing that. I bet he has a not great voice. Yeah, I think he would just be something annoying. The villains would be like, God, could you stop singing birthday? Or whatever? <laughs> um, uh, she also mentions, I guess I mentioned this on the podcast. Uh, we share a birthday, me and Megan. Oh, we're both February 21st. Pisces. Uh, and she's brainwashing her cousins to like Spider-Man, just like I'm brainwashing my son. So good job, Megan. Uh, you're doing good work, Megan. Peter emails us. Peter Gasick. Okay. Uh, with this podcast wrapping up, I will miss this one a ton as a huge Spider-Man fan so much so that I've marked my skin with his image. So he's got a tattoo just like the inconsolable Spider-Man. <laughs> I've enjoyed this comprehensive breakdown of the Ditko Lee issues. I've read these over and over in collections since I was a kid. And this was my favorite read through by far. Wow. That's oh, that's so awesome. nice. That's awesome. Yes. Uh, oh, a weird side note. I'm going to start taking some classes at CT Improv. Oh. Uh, as I got to perform a sketch show there with Brian Quigon, who's on some teams with our brother, Will. Yes. I think they're on brain song together. Maybe. Um, I know that's Brian, how is, he, Brian does a two prob with another Brian, but I forget the other Brian's last name, but that sounds right. Anyway. Yeah. Our brother uh, Brian the, is, is very involved in the CT improv scene in uh, Hartford. Um, so I guess that's how he heard about our podcast from our younger brother. Yeah. So that's a, uh, thank you, Brian, for plugging our podcast. Oh, and Peter is thinking about starting a short-lived Enforcers podcast in the vacuum we're creating. <laughs> I'll listen to it. <laughs> uh, Nicholas DePetrio, Petrio, 
Okay. Uh, I'm mangling names and I apologize to everyone. <laughs> uh, love this podcast and hope you come back when you're ready. I just listened. I just wanted to suggest a Spider-Man noir series for a future special episode. Uh, so oh, this yeah. was a comic. Uh, Marvel did a bunch of noir versions of Marvel heroes. And one of the ones was staying power is Spider-Man noir. Um, and I, I, I think I read it. I don't remember it very well. I have seen images, uh, but I have not read it. Yes, the costume shows up in all the. It's in this new Spider-Man game. It's been in a lot of Spider-Man games. He like wears goggles and it's like a leather-clad outfit. Um, but yeah, uh, um, yeah, Spider-Man Noir. Uh, it's interesting. I'd have to reread it before I knew if I wanted to cover it. Um, uh, but I like I had the suggestions. I like that everyone wants more from us. Well, I love it too. It's really nice that people uh, are telling us that and that they think that. Nick is going to sign up for the Disney streaming service and wait for the Enforcer show. All right. Yeah, better to do that now. Let's get yeah, a lot buy of... Buy it now so they <laughs> don't credit that sale with Will. <laughs> um, William, uh, William, oh boy. Uh, Will Lemon emails us. <laughs> like somehow this is a battle between our names. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of become that. Uh, been there since the beginning of it. Also going to the LA Comic Con this weekend. Uh, this was a little while ago. Oh no, that's this was yesterday. So that must be this coming weekend. Well, okay. Um, uh, here's my thought about issue 38. When Ditko had several panels of just sound effects, I took that as an, uh, an F you to Lee. Like for example, he put the sound effects in to prevent Lee from adding his dialogue. Um, and I and I don't think that's true. I think the sound effects were done by Artie. Yeah, I think that uh, the sound effects are done after Ditko's already turned the art in, so it's not yeah. his decision. Some and even, artists, even, even if he indicated only use sound effects, that is something that Stan Lee would happily ignore if he wanted to. Some artists definitely do their own sound effects, like Walt Simonson, who we mentioned before, does his own sound effects. And it's more common now when yeah. they're hand-drawn sound effects that they're done by the artist versus the letterer. Um, but I, I don't believe they were done. At that time, I think that was all arty. Okay. So... Uh, I don't think that was an FU to Lee. I think the not giving him a cover and quitting was the FU to Lee. Right. Um, so that's our, that's our thoughts on that, Will. But thank you for writing. Thanks for being a fan. Enjoy yes. Comic-Con. Yeah, have a good time. Uh, I went to New York Comic-Con. Did I mention that on this podcast? I forget. And I uh, met up with Jordan Gibson and Joe Quinas. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> how do you pronounce his last name, Will? Do you remember? I, I don't remember. Oh, man. Well, I met them both. They're both very wonderful people. It was nice to meet them and thank them for being on our podcast to their faces. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're, I don't know if they'll be at LA Comic Con, but they are. Check them out. Buy a, buy a sketch from them or something. They're really great guys. Great guests. Super talented. Great issues. They're, they're the whole package. All right. Well, we're down to the last few. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, Michael Tonovitz. I want to thank you two for putting this podcast together and for producing it as long as you did. A fun cross between an audiobook and comics discussion. Your show somehow made it okay to listen to a visual medium without feeling like a crazy person. <laughs> the stakes of Screw It Spidey were so low, low enough that I could listen on the way to work on a Monday morning without fear that it wouldn't be funny or interesting. The comfort and safety in knowing that no episode will be the best thing I've ever heard <laughs> nor the worst thing I've ever heard was a really nice treat. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I like that he worked in that it wasn't the best thing he's ever heard, which yeah. I wouldn't think it would be, but yeah. still hurt a little to read out loud. No, it made me feel good. I, I want us to know that we're not too affecting. I would hate to rock anybody's <laughs> world too hard one way or the other. Um, and he says, it's hard to believe we never got a Stan Lee cameo. <laughs> it, sort kind of is. Is, it kind of is hard to believe. Yeah. But like an unprompted, he'd just call us while we're recording. 
Excelsior, you just hear in the background on Will's voicemail or something. Um, uh, but thank you, Michael. Thank Lewis you, Michael. Blake, a huge fan of the show and inspired me to go back and read along the run that we all thought we knew. The one that started everything we love about our favorite web slinger. I'm a part of a small podcast in the UK that celebrates the stupid side of rock and metal called Slowly We Rock. And we're all big fans. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, it's great how you pick apart some of the rougher edges and ridiculousness of the 60s Spidey, but with a genuine love and a good laugh. We'll be sad to see it end and even sadder that you won't have any more segments to cram in. <laughs> uh, thank that's, you, Lewis. That's really nice. Thank you, Lewis. Uh, uh, Jay Bridge, who's written us a few times and uh, been following us on all our social media uh places yes uh has emailed to say goodbye as well thanks for the fun drive down the original spider-man comics run of ditko and lee it's been fun to hear what clicked what didn't and what transcended from someone else's eyes i've been currently rereading the brand new day arc and through slots and tyron and trying to look at it with the same critical tools that you two have been looking at with the ditko lee run uh and i was also thinking about doing that um i just haven't had time i uh want to reread all don slots run basically okay one thing that's jumped out to me is how hard you guys have been about the dud issues of the Ditko Lee run. I don't disagree they are duds, but I think you need to keep in context that these were the first issues. By now, most writers have a handle on who Spider-Man is and what makes a great Spider-Man story. But back when I think Stan and Steve were throwing everything at walls just to see what stick. Yeah. It's tough to know what to, it's tough to know that Doc Ock would last when the looter kind of would not. I mean, he does sort of still exist and operate as a spider villain, but mostly as a joke. Still, even this is a contribution to the mythos. I mean, few characters uh, uh, can handle such screwball villains like Spider-Man does. Like the White Rabbit, Humbug, Slide, Typeface, Hypno-Hustler, the Grizzly, Gibbon, Swarm, and millions more. The duds make Spidey more enjoyable, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I agree uh, uh, that the duds are fun. Um, um, yeah, we, we are hard on it sometimes. Um, we sometimes forget to look at it with, you know old glass we look at with modern glasses sometimes and that's not always fair yeah i mean some of these issues and we've talked a little bit about like the ones that came out during annuals that we sort of feel like maybe they just didn't have as much time to put into those um but uh i don't know molten man's still sort of lame (laughs) yeah i'm not going to be able to get on board with the molten man issues but um it is true that we should be a little kinder for for uh, we, we forget that um i'm sad this is going away i enjoyed it and uh uh, and knowing it's ending makes me feel like the days are shorter, that it's colder than it was a couple months ago. <laughs> I think that might be the seasons. Yeah. Uh, might and the last us. one, Will. All right. The last one, we just got this. Uh, uh, oh, no, we got this a little while ago. He just re-emailed me to ask if I got it. Um, so it bumped up to the last one. Good good maneuver, good Christopher. Yeah, good political maneuver. So this is from Chris Marr. Enjoying the pod so far. Though I haven't actually read any of the issues, I've got a long hypothetical if you guys want to tackle it. I think you've talked about similar things, but my favorite answers are always when you're talking about stories you'd like to see done. So here goes. All right. Design a Spider-Man story. Which Marvel hero would you like to see team up with him? Which non-Spidey villain would serve as the antagonist? And what soap opera subplot would you like to see complement the superhero story? So which Spidey hero so basically would you team up with? I think come up with a Spider-Man team up story where he's fighting a not spider-man villain and what's the third one what soap opera subplot would you want to see complement the story okay fun all right i would like to see him team up with marvel hero well 
All right. My first instinct is Black Panther. All right. Um, because, and I know this has changed somewhat, but sort of the old school thing about Wakanda was they don't like to interfere. You know, they don't want like outside influence and it sort of restricts how much the Black Panther will get involved in modern stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. This was a big issue in the movie also. Right. Um, so I, I want it to be a question of duty. You know, Spidey, because of his origin, gets involved. I want it to be Spidey convincing Black Panther to get involved with something he's maybe hesitant to. When, of course, the Black Panther will end up doing the right thing. Uh, Prince T'Challa always does the right thing in the end. Um, and the villain, non-Spidey villain, fun. Well, let's do an old weird one. Let's do the Puppet Master. Oh, interesting. The FF Puppet Master who can use his magic clay to like take over the minds of people. And uh, I'll have it that they've, that um the Puppet Master is is controlling the mind of a formerly decent New York City cop and making him be very corrupt. And uh, somehow, because I think cops is such a touchstone, difficult uh, issue these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Spidey historically is very much on the side of cops, but he's not on the side of corruption. I don't know. Th- those, those are my ingredients. And the subplot um, <laughs> that uh, Peter... Uh, has to go to Harry Osborne's level one improv grad show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> has to go. Has to go. Harry's really asking him to go. I hope he's in the second half. I'm not going to make it in time. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I had a little more time to think because you were talking, so I thought about my answer. Yeah. Um, and so I think I'll team him up with Miss Marvel. Oh, okay, that's fun. Uh, who's a fun character and sort of play up the idea that he's even though uh, she's female and Muslim, I think he's going to see a lot of himself in her. Sure, Yeah. The whole teenage aspect. Um, I don't think she's going to necessarily see him as a mentor, but he's going to sort of try to be guiding her. And she's not really, cause she's got like Captain Marvel as her sort of mentor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she respects Spider-Man and thinks he's great, but I think she's like, Oh, we're teaming up. And Spider-Man's like, I'm helping her out. And there, that sort of would be a thing where Spider-Man realizes, Oh, she's my equal. What am I doing? Uh, I would put them up against who's the uh, um, Captain America villain that's just like a face in the chest of a robot. Uh, Captain uh, America villain. Yeah, yeah. What's his name again? I, it's not. You're not thinking Modok, right? No, not Modok. Um, I don't remember. Uh, he was in Winter Soldier briefly. The movie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he was like in an old computer screen. Uh, oh yes, uh, yes. God, I forgot. I can't remember. Uh, I'm looking it up. Uh, oh, Ar- Arnim Zola. <laughs> okay, he's like a robot body with a face for chest, mostly because I want something ridiculous. Okay. I don't care about the villain as much. Okay, uh, so Arnim Zola will be the villain because that's a ridiculous villain for Spider-Man and Miss Marvel to have to face. And the soap opera subplot will be that Spider-Man is trying to help Miss Marvel with her uh, dating problems with like Bruno and whoever else she's in love with. Like she's in some sort of love triangle and he's like trying to give her advice. And at the same time, he's kind of going through even worse problems. And he realizes he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not taking his own advice or something. And he actually just helps himself out of the problem. Uh, and, and by the end of the issue, Miss Marvel's helping Spider-Man more than the other way around. Love it. My story. That's my story. That's a great one. It's a, it'll be 45 issues long. <laughs> Long. I don't know how to squeeze it in shorter than that. <laughs> 45. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Is that a little too long? It's a little long. I mean, it seems like it's almost four years long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of times they put out more than one comic a month nowadays, oh, okay, so okay. it's probably so more like so three and a half years. Yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're right. You're right. I'm being crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you for writing, Chris. Uh, that's the last email we have. We just turned through a lot. I, I wonder if anyone's still listening. Um, I am. Good. I'm glad one of us is. <laughs> um, anyway, it's been great doing this podcast, I think. Are we wrapping up? I think we're wrapping up. Uh, it's been great doing this podcast a little bit. I, and I think I talked about this early on. Um, you had just finished doing another podcast. Yes. Uh, called Don't Get Me Started. Right. Uh, and uh, you talked to Anthony about how it was great having an excuse to hang out with Anthony for a while. That's right. We had talked about doing this in various times, like either as a Tumblr or something. Yeah. And I think you'd even brought it up as a podcast at some point. Yeah. And we just never had time. And I was like, oh, yeah, it will at least get us to talk once a week. That's true. We've had we've had good brother time. Uh, and so that's uh, uh, one of the inspirations for doing this uh, beyond like our shared love of it and just being a good topic. It was like, oh, yeah, that's the thing that kind of pushed it over the edge for me was getting a chance to talk to Will, even if it was just about Spider-Man comics once a week. Oh, it's really nice. I have liked that, too. I like that we get to that we've gotten to hang out and um, and unfortunately, we'll never talk again. I am looking forward to not having to do this next week. <laughs> yes. Yeah, scheduling it is sometimes a pain. We found that with Anthony and I definitely found that with Don't Get Me Started also. There were definitely, it was, especially because Anthony was busy doing a million. It was a little bit easier for me, but um, it, it was a, yeah, the time it's, zone, it's a drag sometimes for sure. The t- and the time zones and me having a kid also makes it sort of tricky. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to like, I have a couple of busy weeks coming up. It's like to, nice to be like, oh, and I don't need to worry about trying to find an afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that is the plus and the minus of doing something on the reg, but that's but um, but it's been great. We we as you say, we've done every week except for one Christmas. Yeah, um, and hopefully we'll come back in not too long and do something else. Oh yeah, just like not we don't this. we don't quite know what we're doing next. We'll probably do something, but we don't know to what extent. Or I don't know. We're talking about a lot of different things. No matter what, uh, we will put an episode in this feed announcing whatever that is. Like we thought, you know, maybe, maybe we'll come back to this podcast and do other Spidey things. Maybe we'll do other comic things, but do them in this podcast or maybe we'll start another one or I, I don't, or maybe we'll just do one-offs here and there, but whatever it is, we will announce it in this feed. So just stay subscribed if you're curious about what Kevin and I do next. Um, and um, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to keep posting things to the Instagram feed, um, um, other Spider-Man stuff. Um, or should I just leave it as a museum of Ditko stuff? Um, I might put a poll up on the I mean, Instagram. I'd feed say itself. if you're, if the effort isn't too much, keep it alive. I, I prefer it staying alive and adding things to it, but uh, you're the one doing the work. So that's up to you. Yeah. I'm going I'm to put maybe a slight poll up or something to see what people want. Cause I could always just start another Instagram feed if I really want to do something else. Yeah. But um, uh, it's been fun doing this. It's been fun rereading these. Um, it'll be nice to have a break and I look forward to coming back and doing more. Um, me too. Thanks everybody for listening. It's been really a nice surprise that anybody has, and we appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you uh, for listening. And for those of you that enjoyed it, I thank you again. Uh, bye everybody. Bye. Kevin, good job podcasting. Yeah. Well, good job on these 49 episodes. Okay. Goodbye everybody. Goodbye.
Screw it, screw it. We're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. I'm Joel Spence. And I'm Deborah Tarika. And we're co-hosts of This Particular Album is Very, Very Important to Me. This is the podcast where we ask people we love to pick an album that is very, very important to them. And here they share their memories. Great and not so great. And emotional connections. Great and also not so great. And we all get to listen to it through their ears. Join us for season one with guests like Ty Burrell, Nicole Byer, Betsy Sodaro, John Ross Bowie, and more. Available at Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.